Toolcase, the retail banking industry's preferred choice for real-time risk management and fraud detection. Hey, this is your host, Sam Piccolotti, with the Toolcase broadcast. And my co-host uh, today, as you guys know, often referred to as the godfather of the dark web, Mr. Brett Johnson. Uh, many know that uh, Brett Johnson was responsible for refining the modern financial cybercrime as we know it today after being placed on a United States most wanted list, captured, convicted of 39 felonies. Brett promptly escaped prison, captured again. Brett served his time, accepted responsibility, and found redemption through his loved ones and the help of the FBI. That's right, with the help of the FBI. Today, he's considered Turns a leading out. authority on the internet crime and identity theft, cybersecurity. Uh, Brett speaks, consults across the planet to help protect people, organizations from the type of person he used to be. But we're glad, we are glad that he's the person he is today. Uh, if you want to reach Brett, you can get him at Golem, G-O-L-L-U-M, at anglerfish.com. That's A-N-G-L-E-R-P-H-I-S-H.com. Brett, we got a great guest Sam, today. I appreciate it. I, you know what? I'm, do, I'm doing all right today. I was going to say, sorry to try to interrupt you. I was going to say that it turns out that when you stop breaking the law, law enforcement gets pretty friendly. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> Who would have thought? That's right. Hey, uh, uh, I know you're excited, uh, as I am, to introduce our guest today, uh, Mr. Brian Smith. Uh, Brian, the established member of the Redstone Federal Credit Union's management team. Brian has had the honor of serving members of Redstone Federal Credit Union for 16 years. Currently, as the manager of security and investigations, Brian proactively leads a team, a dream team, may I say, of focused on uh, preserving the safety and soundness of member and credit union assets through the effective fraud and risk mitigation strategies, which we're going to talk about today. Areas under his leadership are fraud analytics, fraud investigations, fraud specialists, chargeback specialists, that's debit card fraud and disputes, and physical security team. Brian has served in the management of Redstone for over 13 years. Uh, we should also mention that Brian serves on the executive board of directors of the Huntsville uh, Area Crime Stoppers, current InfraGuard member, FBI partnership with private sector business executives, current FBI CAAA member, active ASIS international member, and has served as a deputy sheriff for the Lincoln County Sheriff's Department. Brett, you sure you want to talk to this guy? You know what? I'm getting, I'm getting a little scared, a little antsy, a little nervous. You know, he's the truth ran away from scarier people than me. <laughs> That's right. You know, I, Redstone. What else can you say? I mean, Redstone is a fantastic credit union. It's it's a great business up there. I mean, it's um, you guys do things right. You guys do things right, and I'm uh, I'm absolutely thrilled to be talking to you today, Brian. Well, thank yeah, you so as much. Well. Super, thank you for super saying partner, that. Super partner uh, on the Toolcase team as well, and uh, and Brian's got some really interesting stuff to uh, share with us today. We want to get into some dialogue, talk about uh, crime stopping and um, maybe a recent incident that he can share and, and how we he has uh, captured one of those bad actors. Uh, but Brian, welcome. Pleasure to have you. Thanks for joining. Good to be here. Good to be here. We always love to talk about success stories, right? We do. And, and you know, we don't always get the bad guy, but in this story, we get to talk about getting the bad guy. Absolutely. We got one. We got one. That's right. More, more on the radar. Um, 
Brian, what, you know, we will tell we, us friends and they'll leave us alone. What, you know, and that's an important topic. You want to get the target off your back, right? Right. Right. Um, let's talk a little bit before we dive into that uh, to that incident. I want to ask you a little bit about um, you know some of your um, your other work here with uh, the FBI. Uh, you know, I, I rattled off an, a, a long acronym of FBI CAAA, uh, but I don't know what that is. Do you want to talk to us about that for a minute? Oh, I'd love to. That's one of my favorite topics. So that acronym stands for the FBI Citizens Academy Alumni Association. So I had the honor to be nominated uh, spring of 2019. Uh, just to get nominated for that group is a huge honor. Um, they only take uh, a select few applicants, and it's a nine-week program. You have to dedicate uh, nine weeks of your life to that. But uh, you get to learn uh, all about our FBI uh, Birmingham field office and also their uh, their uh, office here in Huntsville. You get to learn about their efforts in keeping the community and the state and the nation safe. Um, you get to kind of be somewhat included in their inner circle, as they say, um, and uh, got to meet uh, Special Agent in Charge Johnny Sharp Jr. out of the Birmingham field office. Um, and, uh, and now I carry on to be a public ambassador for the FBI uh, on, in the private sector. And so that's what the uh, uh, FBI CAAA is all about. Gotcha. Well, I'm sure it's a, it, it's a big benefit to the Redstone Group to have uh, that level of expertise and experience in conjunction with your other work. So uh, very cool. Um, I want wanted to dive into an incident that you shared. You know, I, sh I should probably let the listeners know that uh, Redstone Federal Credit Union uh, client and tool case, you guys run a uh, real-time analytics solution uh, that we distribute uh, called Informant, rather sophisticated uh, real-time analytics piece incorporates uh, uh, Rembrandt uh, AI or Rembrandt artificial intelligence component to it. And uh, and we've been partnered for years, but just recently you, you guys were able to share uh, some details of an incident that occurred and, and how our system was affected. But I wanna walk listeners through, if you would, uh, the process that you went through because this type of, uh, of criminal activity is, is predominant throughout the industry. I think consumers and both clients, if they happen to be financial institutions, banks, credit unions as well, have all experienced this type of thing. But, uh, but, but you guys got on the front side of this. You want to walk us through that story? Yeah, yeah, it's a very interesting story and, it, and it's unique. So thank you for the opportunity. And uh, without uh, the technology through Toolcase, uh, we would not have had a successful ending. So, so let me tell you a little bit about it. Uh, we started uh, noticing local pin-based ATM fraud right here in our backyard. And that is somewhat abnormal. Uh, card fraud is not abnormal. Uh, but for us uh, in our fraud trends, at least today, of course, fraud trends change daily. Uh, but typically, we do not see local pin-based uh, fraud trends uh, at ATMs here in our backyard. And so it, it hit the radar uh, pretty quick. Um, also, it was interesting because they were hitting the same dollar amount uh, at the same handful of ATMs. And so a trend emerged pretty quick, as you can imagine. Um, you know, not to get too specific, but uh, they were hitting us for $484 every time. 
Uh, unless the uh, unless the person's account that they were trying to use had less than that, then they would just take whatever they had. <laughs> they they weren't they they take fifty bucks if they had to. Let me ask you about that strategy. Of forty four, are they trying to to avoid some type of minimum? Is that or maximum? Yeah, yeah. the maximum ATM daily withdrawal limit is five hundred dollars. So and they so knew they, they had as close to, as they can get to it. Right, right, and they knew they had to allow a little bit because they needed to do a uh, an ATM inquiry. And that has a small fee associated with it when you go to a foreign ATM and check your balance. So they knew they needed to get as close to 500 as they could uh, without going over. So sounds like a, a guessing game we used to play as I was when I was a kid. Uh, but anyway, this trend started to merge. It started hitting us in mid-March. And, and you can tell when you start diving into the accounts affected that these victims were truly victims. Um, anytime we see pin-based fraud claims, it makes us kind of raise an eyebrow, right? Because you're like, okay, how did they know your pin is typically our first question. But uh, these individuals, their story was all the same. Most of them were longtime members with us, um, and it just did not make sense. And so we started partnering with our local law enforcement partners. And of course, uh, that kind of happened simultaneously because as these people were victims, they were then doing what? They were going down to the local law enforcement agency and filing police reports. And so local law enforcement agency calls us. They're like, hey, Redstone, what's going on? And we're like, hey, so glad you called. Uh, what's going on? And so we, we collaborate together and we start tracking this. Um, the problem was at the time, uh, we had not dialed in a real-time alert to trigger off the activity. We knew we could. We knew we had a partner in Toolcase that could do that. And so as these transactions started carrying on, uh, we started putting together uh, some uh, commonalities. Um, all of these transactions were, uh, uh, all these transactions began rather with a balance inquiry, right? Well, I don't know about you, but I typically don't do a balance inquiry when I go to the ATM. I typically know what I have. Um, and all of these ATMs were at non-EMV compatible ATM machines. And what I mean by that is Redstone Federal Credit Union's ATMs and ITMs, uh, they are exclusively EMV chip red transactions. And what that means to the average viewer that may not know what that uh, acronym stands for, that is the little security chip that you see on your card. Um, it generates a real-time, uh, unique, uh, uh, basically, passcode, if you will. It, it generates a real-time, unique uh, approval through that chip code every time that it's read. And if EMV is enabled on the ATM, it makes it harder for the bad guys to counterfeit your card. Um, they can counterfeit your card, but it's going to get declined because it doesn't have that chip in the card. Well, the uh, the bad guys in this case, they were going to ATMs where that was not enforced. So I'm not saying these ATMs did not have that feature. Uh, that It's just the financial institution over those ATMs did not have that enforced, meaning it would not decline the transaction if it didn't uh, read, get a chip, chip read, okay? Um, that's something else that stood out to us really quick. Uh, and, and like I said, they were using the same handful of ATMs. So we were able to get a geographical, um, um, uh, if you will, range of where all this activity was occurring. Um, something that is not unique in uh, fraudulent ATM activity is the fraudsters were not driving up to the ATM, they were walking up. 
Uh, and of course, they, they do that so the ATM cameras don't get a vehicle description. Um, it helps eliminate uh, a tag, uh, capture of a tag in video. Uh, and so local law enforcement, they uh, basically, and with COVID, everybody's wearing a mask, right? So all they really had was an individual with a mask and a hat and an ATM. Uh, so we worked together. Local law enforcement actually set up an overview camera um, so they could get uh, a better view. This went on for a few weeks. Uh, we reached out to Toolcase. We shared with our contacts at Toolcase, hey, here's what we know. We know they're going to do an inquiry before the transaction. We know they're going to use a non-Redstone ATM. We know the dollar amount and the time frames in which all this is going to happen. And what I mean by that is uh, we would get several cards used back to back in a short time frame. So our contacts at Toolcase, they said, hey, Brian, give us a couple hours. Let's work our magic. And, and literally within a couple hours uh, between some senior fraud team members here at Redstone and some contacts at Toolcase, they put together what I call the secret sauce. And it was... Uh, two alerts generated through the real-time fraud analytical software. First alert was looking for a foreign ATM, meaning non-Redstone Federal Credit Union ATM, balance inquiry followed by a withdrawal. Okay, so that was the first alert we put in place. Uh, the second alert uh, that my fraud team worked with Toolcase to create was a frequency rule that said if we get X number a Redstone Federal Credit Union cards used at a foreign ATM, meaning non-Redstone ATM, within a short time frame, we want it to tell us about it, right? So if we can combine those two rules, that's going to tell us that somebody's using an abundance of Redstone cards at a foreign ATM. Oh, and they're checking the account balance before they do each one. Um, that's kind of helped us confirm because, look, we had local law enforcement sitting on go, and we didn't want, you know, eight police officers arriving to a scene and throwing a good member down the concrete and making a very embarrassing PR nightmare, right? So we want to make sure if we have law enforcement respond, we know we got them, the right person, the, the back. Um, and, you know, we got really close. Uh, it took us about two weeks to get our timing right. Uh, the, that, it was happening primarily on the weekends. Um, that first weekend, we got within about 20 minutes. Um, of having the individual. Uh, boy, that second weekend though, we had some fraud team members here at Redstone that were literally working overnight. They were staying up all night. Um, and at 1030, uh, Sam, on a Friday night, I'm working in my shop at the house. I'm listening to music. I'm not at all even thinking about work, to be honest. My cell phone rings. It's my senior fraud analyst. And he's like, Brian, we got him. We got him. They're there right now. And I said, well, have you called our contact at local law enforcement? He said, I have. It's going straight to his voicemail. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm going to call the sergeant. Um, <laughs> I called the sergeant, and uh, his, I think he gave about three words when I got him on the phone. I said, uh, "I said, sergeant, we got them. They're there right now. I gave him the address. He said, I'm popping the camera, and he hung up on me. <laughs> so here it is. I'm 1030. Uh, my analyst is watching through our real-time analytics through Toolcase, we're watching real-time these transactions hit, right? We have no idea what's going on uh, at the, at the, uh, uh, with law enforcement other than we know that they now know. Well, then about 20 minutes later, I'm eagerly sitting there by my phone, you know. About 20 minutes later, I get a text. He's running. He's running. 
and I'm gonna, and then I don't get any more. I don't, I don't get any more information. And I'm like on the edge of my seat. I'm I'm calling my frog contact at the office. And I said, hey, he's running, he's running. Um, and then I got the best text message I've gotten all year, uh, and that was, hey Brian, we got him. Uh, he's hooked up. He's in custody. Oh, and by the way, he had 50 other cards in his pocket. Oh, Brett, that's a real familiar? success story. You know, it does. It does sound familiar. I mean, I have. Uh, <clears throat> I imagine this guy was spending, you know, hour at the ATM, you know, until he felt a little nervous, then he would go on to the next ATM like that. And I, I've done the exact same thing when I was a criminal. You know, you. What I would do, he made a few mistakes. And just to tell you what the mistakes are, is he used the same ATMs over and over again. I mean, that's that's begging for it. Uh, same thing. So, <laughs> you know, you are. You're begging for it. We know where he's going to be Friday night. Let's just stake that out. Right, right. <laughs> I never claimed he was the smartest guy in the world. But... Well, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you know what? He was, he was stealing a lot of money. And the question comes up, how did he get those cards? That's the question, because you said he had 50 on right. So there, there's a few ways that criminals get cards like that. I mean, you can go, there, there used to be a website, and the guy named Joker was his screen name. He ran, he ran a website called Joker Stash. He actually shut down. Law enforcement didn't catch this guy. He shut down about five, six months ago. And when he shut down, he walked away. He walked away with $1 billion, with a B, $1 billion in Bitcoin. Now, what he sold, yeah. Yeah, what he saw, and that's before Bitcoin hit sixty thousand dollars. All right, Bitcoin was about seventeen, eighteen k at this point. Now, what he sold starting out were dumps. So, a dump for those who may not know, a dump is the magnetic information that's on the back of a credit card. So, on that magnetic stripe, there are three data tracks. First data track is the customer's name. Second data track is the card number. Then there's an equal sign. Then you've got the algorithm outside of that. Third data, data track is indiscriminate data. No one uses it. So those things sell for roughly, you know, 30 bucks on up to, I've seen them as high as one, 130. All right. Now that could very well be where the guy got that. And typically that comes from, you know, they could put a skimmer at a, at a gas pump. They could put a skimmer wherever they, they want it to capture that track information that's coming across the line. You can do a man in the middle attack if you've got your networks open and get that information on that as well. So that, that typically be, is one of the most popular ways to get card information. And um, did, did he get it that way? I don't know. I don't know. I know that's one way to do it. What you would do is you would look for specific bins. You know, I'm needing bins for Redstone because I'm in, I'm in the area. And he would want bins that were in his area so he could cash out easier like that. That's one way. Another way, it reminds me of um, Amex. So about two years ago with Amex, they started to see this fraud. And the fraud that was happening was it started out as a card not present fraud. So what would go on is a criminal would go on the dark web, buy someone's Amex information. They would order, you know, they would commit fraud on that card, buy the MacBook, whatever they want to buy. The card would then be shut down. So the real legitimate customer would order, the, would report the card as fraud. They'd cancel the card, send out a replacement card. Before the customer got the replacement card, the card had already been hit with fraud. So the question was, what the hell? How is that happening? So yeah. the, way that, the way that was happening is the card issuer, not Amex, mind you, but the card issuer, the, the algorithm 
had been broken on that. So you, it was very easy to determine what the replacement card number was going to be. The, uh, the CVV, the three-digit security code on the back, that stayed the same on the, on the replacement. The expiration date was simply the month of the replacement, add five years. And fraudsters ate that alive at that point. Now, I don't, you know, I, I spoke to you yesterday on this, and I gave this theory yesterday. Now that you've talked about that, I'm kind of of the opinion that it happened through a phishing attack, a man-in-the-middle skimmer attack, something like that. Not a phishing attack, but a skimmer attack, man-in-the-middle attack is what got those card numbers. So what happens is, is you've got you've got a wholesaler like this Joker stash, all right? And this guy compiles a load of breached dumps, of breached card numbers. So when he has some buyer, he said the buyer is able to search for a specific bin, the bank identification number, the first six digits of that debit card number. So I'm saying that probably what happened is somewhere there's been a skimmer attack, there's been a man in the middle attack, something like that, that's gotten those numbers. Somebody like Joker Stash has ended up with them. This guy has bought them on the low, low and has went about trying to defraud everybody. Um, and it, it sounds like, until he was caught, it sounds like he was somewhat successful. I mean, he was pulling 484 out of, at a pop on that until he gets nabbed. Yeah, it uh, it was, it's high enough that it got the Secret Service's attention just just with us, so. I mean, that's that's pretty, that's pretty impressive. That is now. Now, what's even more impressive, and this is that you are your case is like a poster child of one of the things that I talk about in presentations, and what I talk about is the importance of real-time data, because say say you weren't getting the information that the guy was at the ATM for a couple of hours, he ain't gonna be at that ATM anymore. He's gonna move on to the next ATM. He may even be home eating his pizza, smoking his joint by that point in time. <laughs> so. Yeah, he, he wouldn't be there about 45 minutes. So right, we got right. we got that information hours later. It's nice to know. I mean, law enforcement can go request video. They know it happened that day, but you don't get him off the street that day. You don't get him off the street. And and real-time data, that's that's this that's what really sticks out to me about your story is you saw the guy. The data was coming across the pipeline. You saw the guy in real time. He's hitting us right now. You pick up the phone and call the cops. Hey, the dude is literally there now. Now, dude, why are you why are you drinking? Get up and go get him. That's what you were doing. And the guy's like, what do you mean he's there now? And he's like, he's there now. I'm watching him. He's stealing money right now. So they got him. I can just imagine the guy sitting there. He's feeding one ATM card in after the other. He sees the blue lights popping. Whoop, whoop. He's like, ah! So he takes off on the run. That's where you got the text message. He's running, he's running. But obviously, it's hard to outrun either them dogs or that car. So they got it. Yeah, yeah, they were ready. I got, hey, I've got to give it to local law enforcement. I'm not going to name any names. They know who they are, but uh, they were on it. Um, yeah, they were on it. It's, you know, I suspect that you know the criminal element just anticipates that that information is not available in real time i mean if they know if they know the backbone of the industry things are working in batch data is not read in real time you're either relying on card processors to to monitor this information using some type of neural net technology but they know this guy had to be pretty surprised i mean he i'm, yeah, I'm without I got a message for him now. Hey, we've got these in place. We know real time. 
<laughs> we'll get you. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, right? And, and and Sam's right. I mean, the criminal that I used to be, that guy does not anticipate that type of real-time data. If he knows it's there, I promise you he's going to go to some other target. That's what happens on this. He goes to the lowest hanging fruit, that easiest target. He's not going to be the guy that sits there going, okay, so I can hit this bank, but as soon as I start hitting it, they're going to know I'm there, and whoop, whoop. He's going to look for somebody that's not whoop, whoop, that he can sit there for 45 minutes at an ATM and keep withdrawing. I mean, that's typically what happens. Um, the, the Real-time data, real-time data changes that game. You know what you're looking at, and that's, that's the important thing. I mean, you, you mentioned that yourself. I mean, it's... If you know what to look at, the data tells everything. It tells everything that you need. You just need to know what to look at. And Toolcase was good enough. They were like, give us, give us a couple of minutes. I think we can help you out. And they came in, they knew exactly what to look at, and they hit it hard. The guy, he got arrested. You know, from what you're talking about, Secret Service is in there, so he's going to get charged with aggravated identity, access device fraud, um, Maybe conspiracy because you you said yesterday his girlfriend was in there with him too, so he's looking at you know hopefully he gets four or five years out of that. <laughs> yeah, very one, bad one thing I've not here. brought up that's another benefit is this was a huge rapport builder with Redstone and local law enforcement, right? Because yeah. now local law enforcement's like, hey, guess what Redstone's got? Redstone's got real time fraud detection. Uh, real-time fraud alerts, and so it really helped build a bridge there between the financial crimes unit uh, with our local law enforcement because they know, hey, um, Brian and his team and over at the Redstone team, they've uh, they've got some analytics that can help us out because, I mean, they have a common goal, right? They've got a dozen, two dozen, I don't know how many police reports with victims over here looking for them to catch the bad guy, right? They're probably getting called every day by these victims. Hey, have you caught him yet? Have you caught him yet? You know, and it just lets everybody kind of come out uh, looking good in the end from a reputation standpoint. Well, that's, right, a, that's a solid point, right? The, you know, I reading in your bio, you know, um, preserving safety and soundness of, of members at the credit union and their assets. Uh, that's a huge missing piece if you if you were to ask me from a consumer standpoint there's a, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of frustration among consumers you know dealing with their financial institutions and this ongoing you know consistent uh, fraudulent activity many times it's the consumer that's first finding the fraud in their account then notifying the financial institution you know having having to as you mentioned go to go to law enforcement uh, but but the onus shouldn't be on them right they they didn't necessarily do anything in this in this situation but to to have that kind of trust and uh, and now knowledge that your financial institution is taking those steps is that progressive and proactive in what they're doing that's got to give your members a lot of a lot of satisfaction yeah, I hope so. I hope so. And, and it gives it gives some morale building to the team here because let's face it, when we're dealing with fraudsters all day, every day, hey, we'll take the win, right? And, and the win yeah. is like, you know, when we get that win, it's air, you know, it's 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 just reinforces why we're here. Well, I mean, that's you know, I said at the beginning of our our show here that Redstone does an outstanding job, and I mean that. I mean that. Now, you know, you you talked about an instant here where a criminal came in and he was committing fraud on your system. What I'd like to point out is that fraud happens. You know, you can have you can have these systems in place, but sometimes fraud is still going to happen. Most of the time, 
I'm talking over 80, 80% of the time, that guy sitting there at that ATM machine is going to get away with that crime because primarily because he's operating in that gap. And when I talk about a gap, what I mean is that data gap. He's operating, he knows there's, going to, going, there's a certain amount of time that he can commit that, that crime and go on and not have to worry about getting caught. And that's typically what happens with, with all forms of cybercrime. Somebody, somebody accesses your bank account, they do an account takeover online. They know it's going to be a while before you realize that that fraud has happened. And then and it's at that gap, that gap that they can walk in and steal from you. And that's what happens with, with this guy. The difference was, the difference was that data. You had real-time data coming through. You were able to notify the cops as the guy is standing there at the ATM and got him caught. That's, that's the difference in this story. And, you know, it's, it's not... I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on and, and giving that story because a lot of a lot of institutions would not do that. A lot of institutions would say, "Oh no, we no, we don't have fraud. We're not going to we're not going to talk about those instances where somebody comes in and hits us." No, no, everybody gets hit. The question is, how do you respond to it? How do you take that proactive response? Because everybody gets hit. So, and, and the difference is. I'm a big proponent of this. The difference is, is that data should lead the way. Real-time data leads the way on all this. If you know what you're looking at, the data will tell the tale. And that's one thing I got to say about the story. I mean, you got you got him caught because of that. Toolcase came in. They did what they needed to do. You were on the ball. I, I, I don't doubt for a second you had guys sitting up all night long and say, we know we're going to get hit tonight. We're going to catch this SOB tonight. <laughs> I mean, I know and they get passionate before. about it too. I, I tell you, that's that's another difference. You know, I I'm gonna get, I'm gonna, I want to give a little plug for credit unions here. Um, we pursue everything. I, I know a lot of financial institutions. They put a floor in, and if and I'm not trying to throw anybody on the bus, but you know, some financial institutions will not pursue any losses under five thousand or ten thousand. Hey, if you come to Redstone and hit us for five hundred bucks. We're coming after you, right? <laughs> and the team gets passionate about it. So it's, uh, you know, and yeah, we did have fraud team members up all night. Well, waiting. I mean, that's honestly, that's one of the good things about credit unions, though, right? I mean, a credit union is a smaller institution, and they're able, able to take a more personable approach to a lot of things. And and for anybody out there listening, I don't care. You know, some somebody may have the opinion that, well, it's a credit union. They're easier to hit. No, no, they're not. They're not. It depends on the institution. I'll give you an example, uh, Tesco Bank. Tesco, one of the largest banks on the planet, 2017. They got hit overnight for $2.5 million. There was uh, there was an exploit that was available. And what it was, this uh, this guy on Alpha Bay, it was the largest criminal network in the, on the planet in 2017, this guy on Alpha Bay, he comes in, he makes a post. He's like, hey, man, I've been able to hit Tesco Bank for $1,000 a week, no flags for the past year. Two weeks later, Tesco's hit for 2.5. Now, that was the largest bank on the planet, and it was because the bank did not pay attention to its customers, did not pay attention to the warnings that were issued to them or anything else. You guys at Redstone are top-notch. You are. You're top-notch on that. So I, I, I just – I cannot, I cannot uh, um, overstate that. I mean, it's, it's not – it's right, every financial something. institution. You said something ahead, the other day that, that uh, you know, stuck, and I think – you know, for, for those folks in the FIs that are, are listening, um, you know, they're in a tough place, right? We, we, have, we have digital 
currency and transactions moving at a much faster pace in a in, in a very short period of time when when uh, when we get to faster payments the fed now's enacted it's it's going down it's going down from uh from transactions running in batch uh you know no more no more posting and and waiting till after 3 p.m for uh you know for funds to post you're going to see this stuff ha happen in seconds this is going right. to this is going to happen quickly and we're all going to be there across the united states just like other countries have moved but you know in in part <clears throat> um you know, FI, especially in this past year, right, with the all the changes of of in-person uh, uh, transactional activity being limited, <clears throat> banks, financial institutions, credit unions alike, pushed to move to more digital banking means. So you're you're making the attempt to uh, you know to to stay on top of the customers' demands, uh, stay in front of them with with faster and and more convenient services. Unfortunately, as I, as I heard you say the other day. <clears throat> They make they make the convenience of that technology uh, available, but it 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 also makes them more vulnerable, right? So what what can FIs do? Look, they're, we're moving in this direction, right? It's coming. We're we're going to, we're going down the road pretty soon. We'll be on faster payment rails. Uh, what are some of the things that FIs can do uh, better that they may not be doing today? Sure. So, you know, it, it's traditional financial institutions have a leg up on this stuff. And that's credit unions, that's that's banks as well. And the reason they have a leg up on, on all these new products and, and the types of fraud that are coming in and, and things like that, the reason they have a leg up is because they've seen it for decades. All right. You take a fintech company, they've not really seen that yet. You know, a lot of these fintech companies that come through, they come up with a product or service and the product or service, man, it's really nice. And then it gets eaten alive with fraud. And the reason why is when you come up with a really nice, easy service to use, criminals will come in and try to exploit that. So what you have to do, and, and, and you know, I've worked with a lot of companies. I have, and I've been hard on some of those companies publicly. I don't expect those companies to ever hire me. <laughs> so, but I've been very hard on some of them. Hey, thanks for taking me on us today. I mean, very hard. Oh, my God. So, but what I'm saying is... We're going to stay on your good side. <laughs> See, I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is, is that a lot of the times you, you've got your engineers that come in and they make this service. And, of course, the people in the boardroom, they're sitting there going, man, this is going to make us a lot of money. It's going to make a lot of customers happy. We're going to be all right. And then you've got somebody in the fraud department, otherwise known as the no department, because usually somebody in the fraud department, there you go, hand up in the air. Somebody in the fraud department sitting there going, have you even thought about how this thing's going to be used for fraud? And somebody in management saying, shut your mouth. We shouldn't have even invited you to this meeting. <laughs> so, that's the problem. I mean, you have to... Uh, just because you come up with that product or service, you have to look and see how fraudsters, how criminals are going to try to exploit it because they are. They are. I don't care if it's these instant payment services. You know, I know you've got a lot of them. I won't call them names right now, but you've got a lot of instant payment services. You mentioned yourself that you were going to have even faster payments on these rails, everything else that are coming out. When you have instances like that or when you have instances where payments can't be reversed or something like that, it, it becomes extremely lucrative for criminals because they know if they can get somebody to send the funds that they've made money at that point in time. Um, 
so it's it's more than just involving engineers. It's more than just involving management and your CEO that's happy, happy, happy because stock price is going to go through the roof and he's going to be able to retire early. You have to look at the fraud aspect of it. You have to talk to your fraud team. Your fraud team knows what's going on. I promise you they do. They've seen this stuff. Just listen to them. That's the issue. Listen to them. It's when you sit there and say, nah, we're, we'll be all right. We'll be all right. That's when you get somebody like Brett Johnson that complains about them a lot. And I complain about some a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, I think you I think you nailed it. it and, um, I, you know, I can remember being in those meetings, but but taking, uh, you know, having the willingness to take a holistic approach to what you're doing uh, and incorporating, you know, the fraud loss mitigation folks into the into the equation just to see how you're backed up, because you may not have the technology that that you're using. And, and yeah. if there's a gap. Like you mentioned, the bad guys are going to know that the gaps there are going to bet on that gap. That's 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 how they're planning their strategy. I mean, if you leave gotta, that door, they're going I was to gonna say it. from my um, from my perspective, I got to brag on my leadership. Uh, the leadership at Redstone is so supportive of these fraud mitigation uh, tools and resources. And and you hit on it, Brett. Not every financial institution wants to put money towards that, right? It's kind of it's kind of tough to prove ROI on some of this stuff. Now, of course, it is. It's not. Uh, it's not in tool cases. You know, I can say, hey, we just saved X because we shut this down. But um, but yeah, a lot of people don't want to put that cost out there. But um, we're blessed it's, it's here. Right, it's more than that. It's, so. It, it's it's most companies, most companies will not consider the cost of cybersecurity and put the money out for it until they're hit, until they're hit. I, I was talking to a lady yesterday and she's like, I want your input on this ransomware. And uh, she's like, I want your specific input on that. And my input was, you know, hey, the, the, the point is, is that she had mentioned she was on a panel and uh, the, the conversation turned into somebody had said, well, it's whether you pay ransom, it boils down to a business decision. And I was like, no, the only business decision is on the criminal's part. Once he gets paid, the decision is to keep going because it's profitable for him. If it's a business decision on the on the the company who's been hit with ransomware, that tells me that they never considered cybersecurity at all until they were hit. And now they have to pay some ransom to get their data back. If they took a proactive response to begin with, it wouldn't be a, data, a business decision. It'd be like, no, we're not hit to begin with, we're not paying the ransom. But that's, that's typically what happens. You don't worry a lot of companies, a lot of individuals. Don't worry about cybersecurity until they're victimized. And we have to change that. We've got to change that. You guys over there, I mean, you guys are doing great. You are. You signed up with the right companies. You've got, as you mentioned just a second ago, you've got management that does exactly what they need to do about listening to the people that are working there instead of deciding they know what's best. And I'm sure they do, but still, it's good to listen to your employees and your people who are experts that you've hired for that stuff. <laughs> That's good stuff. For those FIs that are listening, you know, the, the takeaways that I'm coming up with is that you, uh, you, you, need, you need to take fraud uh, into consideration when you, and loss mitigation uh, uh, risks that uh, accompany any kind of advancement with product or service that you're looking to roll out. Talk to your fraud team, bring them in, consult with them. And investigate what they're using in technology and tools. If there's a, uh, if they're seeing a gap, and, and Brett, as you had mentioned, they they know it's there. They've been dealing with it. Talk to them about what that gap is. Explore the opportunities in the industry. Uh, of course, you know anybody listening 
you're welcome to reach out to Toolcase at toolcase.com and and uh, get more information on our products services. Uh, but I want to thank uh, <clears throat> Brian Smith for taking time sharing. Uh, doing great things over there, Brian. Certainly appreciate your time and willingness to share with us today. Uh, okay, if I let folks know that uh, if you want to reach Brian, you can probably uh, go to their website, uh, hit uh, the contact se section for info at redfcu.org, and I'm sure they can, they can get to you with more information. My co-host and friend, Brett Johnson, pleasure, anglerfish.com. Check him out. Uh, gentlemen, look forward to the next discussion. Sam, Brian, you take care, man. I'll be up there to see you soon. All right. Come on. Thanks a lot, y'all. Talk soon. Learn more about the Toolcase suite of real-time AI products and how to protect your institution from fraud today.